Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. I've been traveling this week extensively through Western China, and the time was just absolutely phenomenal. At one point, we were actually having a service where I preached a message um, in a room that is reserved for the Communist Party. We actually have a sign of us preaching and speaking and doing this mass media distribution that we've been a part of in the West. We actually have it in the room that is dedicated in a factory for the Communist Party. So you have a Communist Party room written in both Chinese and English. And on the back side of the room is a like all of the beliefs that were posted for the Communist Party. So it was, a, it was a special feeling to be in the room that was meant to teach and preach communism to instead be teaching and preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where China's at right now. This was, this was a, a week of amazing experiences. I'm going to be going over it more in the next podcast because during the time that I was in Western China, I was meeting with uh, Tibetan leaders and the Tibetans that I met together with, you will want to hear the next podcast, I promise you, because from orphans to monks coming to Christ in Tibet, not in droves, but these testimonies, that the few testimonies that have just happened in the, in the last few months are phenomenal, and I want to give you an update, but before I do that, I just want to tell you that while I was in Western China, I was going from church to church, and the churches were different, and they were from different networks. I was traveling with different networks, and when I say networks, for those of you that are not familiar with the Back to Jerusalem efforts inside of China and the Underground House Church inside of China, you will know, if you've been listening, that th- that instead of having um, different denominations as we would have in the West, like Presbyterian and Methodists and, and Nazarenes, and instead in, inside of China, people believe basically the same. There's not that much of a difference. Now, there is a difference between the city churches and uh, the three self-churches, but among the underground house church believers, which also in many ways includes the city churches, I know that can be confusing, but the city churches are not exactly registered, so they're not a part of the three selves. So they're still considered to be underground, though they're not with the traditional underground house church networks. And there's a big difference. The underground house ch- house church networks are basically the same when it comes to theology. I mean, there may be a little tweak here and there, a little bit of difference in the amount of of expressed charisma, but you're not going to find too much of a theological difference, which is absolutely phenomenal. When given the fact that the underground house church in China is so big, uh, probably you know more than a hundred thousand or a hundred million believers right now, 
So to have that many people, which is, you know, like a third of the population of the United States being all on the same page when it comes to their theological beliefs is phenomenal. But so they're not broken up into different groups according to their denominations because denominations usually are broken up based on their theology and their theology is just a little bit different among like for instance the Pentecostals, the Apostolics, the Nazarenes, the Lutherans, the Methodist, the Southern Baptist, right? There's differences in theological beliefs, although there's one common belief, the 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 most essential and the most essential being that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and is God. There is unity in the triune God, Godhead. That is held among the all of the beliefs of the Protestant Christians. So that is a shared belief. That's why you would not exactly categorize Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons as being uh, Orthodox Christians, Protestant or Catholic. So when I'm traveling inside of China and I'm meeting with these different groups, when I say different groups, it doesn't mean that they believe differently. It only means that they are followers of a different network. And the networks are based on the founders. The founders were these patriarch type of figures that went around preaching in the very early days of China, 1970s and 80s, and planted churches like crazy in the 1990s, which continue to grow even 20 years later today. And those different networks are made up of about 10 million believers. So during this time, I met with Truth Network, which is over 10 million believers. I met with another network that I can't name because it's named after the pastor of the the, the network. And then I met with a third group um, that was more of a localized group, um, uh, a part of the known name network that comes out of Hunan. But they had a great church building up there in Western China where I was traveling. Anyway, while I was there, we were able, and, and it was so diverse. So from, from network to network, from church to church, and one network, I was in a house. So I had to go up, you know, they, they pulled up as close as they could. We, we drove from the hotel in this part of Western China, went down these back alleys, and then pulled right up to the door of an entrance hallway that leads to stairs. And as we we pulled up, there were still some people hanging out. And because I don't look like a local, uh, we had to wait for a while in the vehicle until those that were around us left. And then once the coast was clear, I expeditiously made my way out of the car into the hallway and up to the the third floor of an apartment building. And once I got into the apartment building... We had church in an apartment, so it was shoulder to shoulder, back to front, completely packed, and so that was in the house. So that literally is a house church, though it wasn't underground as, you know, underground being illegal. It was three stories above the ground. But then we went to a factory. And, and when we went to, when, when we went to the apartment, the first place we went to, we're driving in what they call Mianbao Chub, which means a really beat up old Chinese van. Or it, it actually means bread van um, because it looks like a shape of a loaf of bread. But it's a typical van that you would drive in China. It's an older Chinese brand uh, that we were driving, kind of loud, kind of you know smoky, kind of uh, beat up, very, very simple. 
So as we're pulling, as we're driving around, as the driver from the church came and picked me up, that was what we were driving around in, this old beat-up man boucha. And so I was then picked up by a, another believer um, who took me to another underground house church meeting that was at a different location with a different network. And this network came and picked me up in brand new Mercedes and BMW. We drove in a convoy of two because I was traveling with more than one person. And brand new BMW, brand new Mercedes. And that was because this one was held in a factory. So the vehicles didn't belong to the pastor or the church. It belonged to the factory owners who provided a location for the church to come together in their factory. So we pulled up right to the headquarters of the factory. That's when we were taken to the floor of the meeting place. And that one specifically was the meeting place for the Communist Party. And then on another meeting that we went to, uh, we were able to go to an actual church building that had been set up inside of an apartment complex. And it felt like a real church. Like there was a podium, there was, um, uh, pews, uh, the, there was a stage that was, that the podium sat on that was elevated above the rest of the pews so that the speaker could be heard and seen by those sitting in the pews. So, just in those three places was three completely different experiences, but there was one thing that was the same. And that is, there is a feeling of reverence as well as motivation to the martyrdom of the two Chinese that gave their lives uh, in, in during the summer months in June in Pakistan. Li Zinyang, and Meng Li Si, uh, Li Si, sorry, Meng Li Si. Uh, these are the these are the names. Uh, twenty four years old and twenty six years old that were abducted in Quetta, the capital of Pakistan's impoverished province, just outside of Afghanistan territory. So it's in that mountain range. That was inspiring to see how these two young missionaries, one female, one male, who had gone out among the thousands of others who have left China to serve in the area between China and Jerusalem and gave their lives. It was so inspiring to see that the memory of these two young people are being honored in China. And we want to honor them as well. In our office in the UK and Canada, as well as in the United States, we have put up both of these young people's pictures. I have asked one of our main digital designers to make them a little nicer. In the original that you that I got online, you can actually see someone from the Pakistani police department taking a picture of the photo. So the photos that we have of these two Chinese were actually provided by the Pakistani government. And so I can see that it is a Samsung phone being used to take a picture in glass. So there's a reflection of these two Chinese missionaries who died in Pakistan that were abducted by ISIS and, and, and killed by ISIS. Uh, both of these missionaries, they had gone into Pakistan after they got business visas employed as employees of an organization called ARK, A-R-K. A-R-K is a language center um, that was started by a South Korean Christian by the name of Won, Won Seo. 
and um, this South Korean missionary um, was working together with Back to Jerusalem missionaries from inside of China and helping them basically have platforms by teaching language at a language center in Pakistan so that the Chinese would be able to minister the gospel. Now, this has been all over Chinese media. And the Chinese media have blamed the South Korean missionaries for their deaths. Uh, this th- this is directly from the Chinese media. I, I'm reading from a um, website article that is an international news site that says this. I'm reading it right now. Chinese media blamed the South Korean missionary for their deaths, accusing him of misleading the duo into preaching Christianity in a region influenced by radical Islam. And and then it goes on to talk about how the Pakistani government ordered him to leave the country. So uh, it is well known now all over China that this Korean missionary was helping and working together with the Chinese back to Jerusalem missionaries. And one of the major misconceptions that is taking place is that the South Koreans have been these evil little um, uh, doctors that have come into China and they've they've been able to manipulate the young Chinese minds and, and trick them into leaving their homes and working in really dangerous areas for um, – things that would benefit the the South Korean missionaries. But that's not the truth. The Back to Jerusalem vision of the Chinese underground house church goes back almost 100 years, back to the 1920s. That is a burning fire inside the underground house church in China, and it it doesn't rely on any South Korean, American, or European missionary. This is a fire that's burning naturally and inside of any church. Anytime you're a part of any revival at all, whether it's in the U.S., whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Brazil, you will find that when people come to Christ, there is a natural burden to complete Acts 1-8, the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18, and 19, the Great Commission. Given it, it, that, is a, that is a part of our DNA as Christians. But the South Koreans are being unduly uh, criticized and blamed for the death of these two innocent Chinese. When actually the blame should be on the ISIS terrorists that kidnapped them and killed them. I find it so interesting that a group like ISIS searches out, finds two Christians, uh, abducts them, takes them into their car, takes them into the mountains of northern Pakistan, into the Taliban-controlled region. Who knows what actually happened in the last hours of the de- their death? But ultimately, they were abducted and killed. And yet, it's the South Koreans' fault? The Chinese, as well as the South Koreans, were working in Pakistan to provide aid to one of the poorest regions inside of Pakistan, where the majority of children are not getting an education because they're too poor. Many of the children are illiterate. Many of the young girls do not even get a chance to go to school because they are girls. The Chinese, as well as the Koreans, are sacrificing their nice, cushy life in a growing economy in both South Korea and China. 
They are leaving that all behind, selling their houses, giving up any chance of good fortune, walking away from these very comfortable as well as safe lifestyles inside these two countries, both uh, China and South Korea. I mean, South Korea, if you've ever been to South Korea, uh, forgive me for those that I offend, but their toilets are stinking amazing. I mean, a lot of the toilets inside of South Korea, they do everything for you. When you leave South Korea and fly back to America, you feel like you're going almost to a third world country when you go to use the restroom or the bathroom inside of an American house or an American public facility or an, an American hotel. Because the South Korean, the South Korean hotels have very much fallen, or fallen in line with or, and followed the example of the Japanese where these toilets are like these royal thrones where they, they like spray and they clean and they blow dry everything. It, it's, it's phenomenal. And the reason I want to point that out is because these missionaries, especially the South Korean missionary, is leaving that. And going to a place where they have to basically dig trenches. There may not be plumbing at all. They're, they're leaving a place where you have brand new facilities, a first world lifestyle and going to not just a third world country. We're not talking about just going to a poor area of Pakistan. We're talking about going to an area of Pakistan where the Pakistani military is afraid to go. And what do these Chinese and Korean missionaries do there? Are they trying to steal money? Are they trying to abduct children? Are they trying to hurt other people? Are they trying to run a scam? Are they anything like ISIS? They are there to provide a free education out of their own expense. The Pakistani government and the local people gave them nothing. Both the Chinese and the Koreans brought in funding into one of the poorest, most dangerous areas of Pakistan to give hope to the children and to some of the women that wanted to get an education for the very first time. They began to provide an education to a place that is largely illiterate, teaching them how to read, giving them an education on a different language, teaching both Chinese and English, giving them computer instructions, taking those that didn't have any hope before and giving them hope now. And as a reward for their generous efforts, self-sacrificial efforts, as given to us by our leader, Jesus Christ, two of them were martyred in probably the most brutal way imaginable, though we have no details, we just know the outcome. And then the Pakistani military shut down the company of ARC, the translation or the language institute of the South Korean company, and then kicked out the South Korean. And the Chinese have basically come out in their newspapers and completely destroyed the reputation of not just this Korean brother, but also any Korean that is doing missions work inside of China today. And those Koreans that are doing missions work inside of China, whether you have worked inside of China and might agree or not agree with their different tactics or their methods or whatever, the truth remains that they do the same in China and they have been doing in China as they did in Pakistan, which is give up their lives and any chance of prosperity and go and serve 
in China to pay their own way, to, to give of their own resources so that those in China could benefit. But don't be confused by anything that you might read in the media because the Chinese were not influenced for the Back to Jerusalem vision by the South Korean church. They have been influenced for the Great Commission by the Word of God, by the Bible. I, they have been singing songs for generations long before the Koreans were ever allowed to move from South Korea and work inside of China legally. One of the people that has been a huge inspiration for the underground house church inside of China is a young lady by the name of Xiaoming. Xiaoming, also known as Canaan or the Canaan Songs, we did a DVD a, a vid, with a video and music of her uh, about 15, 17 years ago. She's an amazing young woman from a farm area. She was just a simple farmer. And once she became a believer, God began to put songs into her heart. These were completely unique songs, not really influenced by any outside source, not by Koreans, not by Americans. You're not going to hear um, a, a lot of the traditional songs that we, we sing in the West at the traditional songs. You're also not going to hear any of the n- newer, more modern Hillsong praise and worship inside of uh, of the underground house churches where this young lady has the most influence. She was influenced by God visiting her in this small farm. And she began to write songs that are the anthem of the underground house church inside of China today. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. You may not necessarily like the style of the music, but it is the music. It cannot be denied that it is unique to China and the Chinese revival. And it is a precious pearl because we don't know how long this is going to last, but it marks this age. Have you ever driven down the street and you've listened to a song, a song just comes on through the radio, or maybe um, you go through an old stash of music that you maybe you haven't listened to for a very long time. If you're an older person, this might be more relevant than if you're a younger person listening to this podcast. But I can hear a song that I haven't heard forever. And it takes me back to the point where, like, if I'm, if I hear a song that I haven't heard for in years or I haven't heard since my childhood, I can have tastes in my mouth from meals that I had as a child that are, that somehow come flooding through just from the sound of that music. Or I can remember a heartache or an exciting time, or a a challenge that I went through in my life just by hearing a song. It'll come on, I'll be thinking about something completely different, and all of a sudden, it captures me and transports me to a different time and place. It is, it is absolutely phenomenal what that, that can do. I can remember, um, this summer, my family was doing a drive uh, from a place called Nunesholm in southern uh, Sweden up to northern Sweden. And as we were taking these country drives, driving down these country roads, out of nowhere, because uh, there was an artist that went to a church in my hometown by the name of Carmen, I listened to Carmen when I was younger, when I was in grade school. 
And I remember listening to Carmen and just jamming out to some of his praise and worship and just getting all excited, especially when he did like the, the, the imagery fighting between God and Satan in the boxing ring. And it was called you know, the, the, the shouting at the end that Jesus is the champion. I remembered how that motivated me. And my wife was sitting beside me. Now we grew up two different cultures, two different languages on two different continents. She grew up speaking Swedish as a missionary kid inside of Taiwan. I grew up on a farm in Indiana. Our lives could not have been more different. And yet, and we have never, my wife and I have been married for uh, about uh, almost 19 years. So we're, we're going on number 19, very close to that 20 mark. We've been married for almost 19 years. And we have never listen to Carmen together. I don't know why. We just never have. I, 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 I haven't listened to Carmen since I graduated high school. I don't know why. I just haven't. But he was one of my favorite artists, but I just never bought his stuff again. I never listened to his stuff again. And I don't often listen to Christian radio uh, because I live in a different country and I don't get Christian radio. So the radio or the Christian music that I listen to is usually on some sort of digital device that is just playing over and over or something that I load or download or something that somebody gives me. So I haven't listened to Carmen in over 20 years. And my wife either. She has not listened to Carmen for over 20 years either. Out of nowhere, we had our two sons in the back and we told our two sons, our uh, sons are uh, 14 and 17 and we told them, we're going to introduce you to Carmen. And my wife got all excited and I put it in. That was our first time listening. Our first time in over 20 years. My wife and I jammed it out. We turned the radio all the way up, singing at the top of our lungs 20 years later, and I didn't miss a word. I knew every single word, as did my wife. And it took us back to a different time and place. That's what these songs from Xiaomin are going to be doing for us. They're going to bring us back to the 1990s and the early 2000s of when China was going through a massive revival. It's still going through a revival. But these songs are going to mark in our mind forever what the revival was like. So far, Xiaomin has written over uh, a, a 1,800 songs. And she has a very special song that she has written after she heard about the martyrdom of these two Chinese. She sat down on July 23rd, 2017 and posted a new hymn called Blood of the Missionaries, Shed in the Right Place. The, the blood of the missionaries, she, she uh, writes the song and, and puts it out about the missionaries that were killed by ISIS in May of 2017. And I have to say, it, it, it blew me away. I, I really thought that it was an amazing song. I want to play it for you. I don't know if it's been played on any English website or media site yet. I think that Back to Jerusalem might be the first one to actually play the song um, and make it available for those that want to hear it that speak English and not Chinese. Uh, this song was put up on social media, so that's why I'm playing it. I do know Xiaomin. I know her pastor. I actually wrote a book uh, with her pastor. Her pastor is Zhang Rongliang, 
And I wrote a book together with him called I Stand with Christ, which is a biography about his amazing life. If you have not um, read that book, I Stand with Christ, obviously, I'm biased, but I highly recommend it. Uh, this is a this is a story about a man in, in in China that very few people don't know about if they're Christian. Zhang Rongliang is probably the most well known underground house church Christian inside of China today. Um, back back to Jerusalem, of course, works very closely with uh, with Brother Yun and sets up all the tours for Brother Yun, but. There is nobody inside of China that is as well known as Xiaoming's pastor, which is Zhang Rongliang. So there's this, there's this um, amazing song that she put out. She put it out on social media, and I don't believe that it's been shared anywhere else when it comes to the Western-speaking or the English-speaking world. The, song, the, the words on the song I want to read to you because I think that they are uh, very touching. They are, um, they are the kind of words that inspire sacrifice, dedication, and commitment to the great commission that was given to us by Jesus Christ. The, the, the words on the song you can actually find on our website. If you go to backtojerusalem.com, and you look, most of you, I'm, I'm assuming, go to our website when you download this podcast. And if you've downloaded this podcast and it wasn't on our website, you're probably familiar with our website. But if you're not, you can go to backtojerusalem.com and there you will find the, the words written out for Xiaoming's song that I want to play for you. When I first heard it, I was moved. And the reason I was moved is because as I'm traveling around from place to place, from church to church, meeting together with these different networks, these different groups in different locations that have different atmospheres, like I said, one was in a house, one was in a church, one was in a factory. One came and picked us up in a Mianbao Chu, beat up old van. Another one came and picked us up in a normal little car. And another came and picked us up in the best Mercedes and BMW that you could even imagine. completely different segments of society, completely different networks. But at each one of these locations, there was reverence, there was passion, there was respect, there was inspiration that came from the memory of these Chinese who gave their lives inside of Pakistan. So, the song is called, it's, it's number 1810. That means that, um, Xiaoming has written at least 1810. Now, this is, she's actually written songs since then, but this one came out in July. And it's called Blood of Missionaries Scattered in Presence of Worldly Rulers. This is the lyrics. Blood of Missionaries Scattered in Presence of Worldly Rulers. Their stories are shared around the world. Their families feel the pain. The Lord will comfort them and turn their pain into testimony. Gaze upon their faces and see how they are so beautiful and calm. During their youth and strength, they devoted their lives. My heart cannot remain still. My tears 
continue to flow. I'm ready to be a martyr on this road westward. Your blood was not shed in vanity, but it gives a powerful testimony in Pakistan. Wait for us. The Chinese church is marching to you. Chong I want to I want to play that last part again because if if I'm able to just share that uh, again with you because I think that that last part was a special part. It you can't if you don't speak Chinese you're not going to understand it. But it basically says, "Wait for us. China is marching forward to you. You've been martyred. Your blood has not been shed in vain. We are marching to Pakistan to you." Pakistan, wait for us. The Chinese are marching forward to you. Thank you so much for joining us for this special Back to Jerusalem podcast. I pray that you'll join us on our next episode as we talk about the underground house church reaching the Tibetan areas. Again, my name is Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you.